if you don't understand that you need a lot of guidance or you don't need a lot of guidance, now you can view that as micromanagement, right? Because a simple email saying, hey, what's the status on this? I told you, I'd let you know when it was done. Yeah. It's not done. I haven't let you know. Stop micromanaging me. Yeah. Well, I just I, wanted to know how you're doing. I must bro. be exactly. overlooking my email back to you with the update. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I, I don't remember sending <laughs> yeah, that. All right. <laughs> so, wow. But you're, God, that's so good because rebellion and defiance, yes. Because usually when somebody challenges you in any way, I'm defiant. Like, that's my knee jerk reaction, right? When it's just, Hey, I, just, I think it's yeah. partly our personality styles. Yeah, too. Bingo. That's, Communic- that's what I'm getting. Communication at. is where micromanagement comes down to, too, right? Yeah. Lack of clarity. You're listening to Lead Through Values, where America's Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, helps you create a high performance workplace by building strong leaders, enhancing communication, and accelerating productivity. And now, here's your host, James Mayhew. Kyle, my man, you are uh, Mr. One Minute Wednesday. Yep. Uh, you go by many different names. Can, give us yep. a few names that maybe people here in Cedar Rapids or around the country actually might call you. Yep. So K-Sizzle is what the handle I go by on social media that I'm not professional on. The most interesting man in leasing. Hold on. Go ahead. What does K-Sizzle? Where's the origin of that? K-Sizzle. So back in junior high, right? Like just waiting to hit the dance floor. You got to bring the sizzle, baby. You got to bring the sizzle. (laughs) I want to see this. (laughs) Oh, junior high Kyle was- This needs to be a video podcast. A weird, weird man. He was a weird man. But, you know, always outgoing and just thought, let's go for it. Hit the dance floor. So K-Sizzle- also, in my leasing career, I was the most interesting man in leasing. Yes. Right? And and I'm really big on personal branding, being memorable. Right? People remember me. They remember you, Wormy. They remember you, James. They remember meeting you. Right? You have mm-hmm. an effect on people. So, the most interesting man in leasing, K-Sizzle. There's a lot of names that I've gone by. Kyle Steele is the one that people know me by. Started One Minute Wednesday five years ago when I started my marketing company, had zero budget, and just went for it. LinkedIn video just came out at that time. By the way, SEO expert hashtag is how I connected with you. Yes. Because yes. I was like, I knew you had done some stuff before around that. And um, so we've been connected on LinkedIn almost since the beginning. Yeah, since the beginning. It, it took a couple of years before I ever met you because I didn't think you lived in the area. Right, right. You're like, holy yeah. crap, you're in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. I am. Like, I'm born and raised Cedar Rapids. And I was running my marketing company out of Des Moines at that time in Valley Junction. I had started the marketing company, had zero marketing dollars, went up and down the street, knew nothing about marketing, and introduced myself to every single business owner up and down because that was the demographic that I wanted to go after, inviting them to a marketing seminar that I was putting on. And I literally just made up out of nowhere, <laughs> and I knew story. that I had to learn marketing more than them in order to put on that seminar, did that. And LinkedIn video is how I got... of my business because I always started Kyle Steele, SEO expert, One Minute Wednesday. It was that repetition that got me branding. Yeah. Right? Because people were like, oh, we need marketing. We need SEO work. Who should we go with? And they literally look at each other and be like, Kyle Steele, SEO expert, One Minute Wednesday. Right? It was that personal branding, that repetition. And LinkedIn video just came out. Didn't know what to do with it. Figured 
I read an article that said one minute was the perfect length of video, right? And I'm like, okay, let's roll with it. One minute Wednesday. Here we are five years later. Some get, you know, some get a thousand views, some get 10,000 views, but it's that consistency. And I just love it. And if there's one piece of advice about content that I want to give anybody is just start because your biggest question is, what am I going to do next? Once you start creating content, you think in content, yeah. right? Like I'm sure, James, you're at trainings and you're like, this is a great LinkedIn post and you jot it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And once you and you wouldn't have that mindset unless you started, right? And so I'm listening to a podcast. I'm driving down the street. I listen, you know, I, I watch a history show, whatever it is. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Right. And I've talked to any about anything from Cheetos to, <laughs> you know, Martin Luther King to anywhere in between. Right. So I think it's brilliant the way that you connect very uh, disparate things. Right. <laughs> it's it's um, I watch your one minute Wednesdays. And I'm like, where is he going with this? And I know I've told you this before, but you remind me of a modern day Paul Harvey. Right. The, now, you know, the rest of the story. And yep. I, I just love how you you. You connect things that I would not connect, and it's done in such a, a concise way. You get your point across. It would take, for me, honestly, it would take me a while to distill like this concept into this little spear point that you create through your words yep. to point a, put a, a point across. I can do it when I write, but but it takes me a while to get there. And I don't know if it takes you a while or not, or if it feels like you just turn the mic on and go and you're like, bam. Yeah. It's, it's a combination of that. And I have a whole list of things on my whiteboard, right. Of, of, of items that I can go down and have a woman at Wednesday. And one of my favorite ones was that we were out to dinner and well, I, I had, you know, talked about a burger, right. And, and how great a burger was. And, and, um, a gentleman on LinkedIn had said, have you ever taken a burger and eaten it upside down? And I'm like, no, I never have. Right. And so you think about it. And if you order a burger with all the toppings, the first thing that you taste your tongue is a bun and burger. Mm. So it's always the same, but if you flip it upside down, now you're tasting the toppings, the bacon, the cheese, <laughs> the right? All that different. stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Me and, me and Wormy, we're, we're in fact in heaven right now. We're like, bring the burger, baby. But what I thought of was I didn't, the burger didn't change. I changed yeah. my approach to the burger. And then I flipped that into Uber didn't change anything, right? Uber didn't change anything. They just made the passenger the driver. Yeah. Uh, Airbnb. Sorry, man. I totally, totally distracted everybody. Yep, I'm trying right. to do a selfie of us here, and <laughs> I can't get us all in. That's right. I can We're get so me, old. Me and Wormy in here. We'll yeah. have somebody take one. But then Airbnb didn't do anything. All Airbnb did was made the tenant now the landlord. Mm-hmm. So they didn't do anything different. They just changed who was who in the equation, right? So yeah. flipping that burger upside down. Yep. Flipped. And change and really change the market. Yeah, that's right. Change the whole entire industry. Don't you think? Yeah. Don't you think that's the brilliance of, like, I don't know, like what what Apple does. Right. They didn't create the phone. They flipped it upside down. Yes. Right. They created this whole new thing. I love it. I was just going to share. You you inspired something for me because I have a photography background. I still love photography. I don't really do it for you know anything other than just my own. Enjoyment. Just pure joy. So. But but I love landscapes. So picture a 
a mountain lake, if you will, or a beach shot, don't care. But it needs to have like a horizon with, with say, autumn. So we're, in, we're almost October. It's tomorrow. It's October. Okay. Picture colored leaves being reflected in a pool of water. Okay. Beautiful. Yep. Now, when we look at that, we always going to have that oriented to the way we see the world. Sky's at the top, lake's at the bottom, and somewhere in the middle is the horizon line, and we're seeing this reflection. Hopefully, it's kind of close to a mirror reflection of, like, the autumn-colored trees, the oranges and the browns and the golds and all this cool stuff, right? Take that picture, turn it upside down, and slide it over to somebody and ask them to look at it, and they takes them, like, the perfect picture is one that has a lot of symmetry to it. They look at it, and they're like, it looks off. And it takes a few seconds for their brain to process it because it doesn't look quite right. It looks, is this a picture, a painting? What am I looking at here? It's freaking cool. Yeah. And it takes the right photo to do it, but it's so much fun. And it's what made me think when you're saying we flip the burger over. Well, it's like for me, I was thinking like, well, flip the photo over and it changes the dynamic changes of perspective. it. It yeah. becomes a piece of art instead of like a postcard. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It does. And, and that's, that's. Usually the best ideas are the simplest ideas, right? Oh, I was just going to I was just going to touch on that. When you Take think it away. of when you think of business and life, man, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things, right? So even when you go back to your 1-minute Wednesdays, you said, "Oh, when I was first starting out, I read on it 1-minute videos." Hey man, don't overcomplicate it, right? 1-minute video is successful. Why do yeah. I need to go 2 minutes, 3 minutes, 5 right. minutes? Like you're putting all this crazy weight on. We were just talking about Airbnb and Uber, right? And they said, "Hey, why why do we need to have all these other processes in place? Yeah. Why can't we just go right to the person that wants to give me a ride?" Yes. Why can't we just go right to the person that wants to rent their home out? Like instead of all these other hoops, like why can't we just do this process? Yeah. Oh, I guess we could. Well, nobody's ever done it that way. Well, <laughs> maybe we should. Maybe yeah. we should. And that's and that's where Uber it's super came from, simple, right? right? It's were, almost too simple. Yeah. Hey, we can't do that. It's too simple. Yeah. They're sitting there. They're sitting there drunk, you know, in, in a bar, and they're like, "There's all these cars driving by. Why do I have to wait half hour, forty five minutes for a taxi? And I don't even know when in the hell they're going to be here. Yeah. And I don't even know the driver. Yep. Right. Like, not all those thoughts are going through their mind. They're like, "Well, yeah, it's super easy." And then the, the challenge is, it's challenge, you know, the, the hardest part is being first, right? Because the status quo always pushes back, right? Yeah. When smartphones came out, oh, well, you're going to have spotty reception. What if there's this, right? They try to sell with fear. Battery life. That was the big deal because you used to be able to have a cell phone charged for, it would last you three weeks. Remember yeah. that? That yes. was nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God. I wait, it's going gonna, gonna, to gonna die in six hours? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the status quo always comes back. They always come back with fear, right? And I've hated that. I hate selling with fear. I hate selling with fear. And you know, when we're when when I think about sales, when you're when you're young in your career, you think that you need to be, you know, you you need to be (laughs) Glengarry. You got to have all the answers. Yep, you got to have all the answers. You got to know everything about everything. When it's really just doing very simple things repeatedly and consistently. Right. You yep. always follow up. You always send a thank you card. You always. Right. And that's that speaking with certainty that we always talk about. You always do this and you have the best sales process is the simplest sales process. Right. Yeah. Best practices are just executed ideas. That's it. 
They're not that profound. Uh, oh, I love the fist bump. I wish to see that's the thing. It's like this needs to be on video because those two just fist bumped. I'm like, that's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah. well, so before we go too too deep here, like Kevin, you got to tell us a little oh, bit about Jesus, oh, man. Yeah. I can't even follow Hot that seat. up. Speaking oh, yeah, of the yeah, Harvey, <laughs> so so that was my introduction. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Let's see how many minutes are we at? We're at yeah. eleven minutes. Ten, ten minutes. Uh, just, a, uh, just a small introduction here. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, listen, I don't have seventeen nicknames. I, uh, worm, wormy, uh, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Worm and wormy, those are the two. <laughs> the that Elvis I think of the I South Pacific. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Kevin nothing. Wormwood. Yeah. You know, you call me that too. Don't call me late for dinner. That's another one. Okay, I guess I got a couple. Uh, <laughs> if I ask for a couple candy bars, I want a half a sack. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did we? I don't think we got that when we were recording. I don't, I don't think we were, we were talking not. about my yeah, exercise of like few couple, many, several, even going around room and. You said something that made me laugh because you always made me laugh. You're just like you just you chuckle in such a way that it just gets me. But but you're talking about I mean a couple like be a couple generous handfuls there of the of the little yeah. Snickers bars, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're giving me the little Snickers minis. I want you to double dip that bag. I don't I don't want just one or two. Like I'm I'm really looking for a king size bar out of that thing. Right. That's what I want. Well, because fun but size I, is not fun size, right? Yeah, they've shrunk yeah. that down over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why they've done that though is so you feel good about just eating the one. But That's then right. that what they don't realize is I'm going to have about eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is worse than just having the regular bar. Like yeah. I'd have been. It'd have been healthier for me just to stop and get a whole one. That's that's really where we're at. Your nutrition facts have no bearing on yeah. what I'm eating. <laughs> here's Suggested a bite. serving? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Here's a, here's a nibble if you just want a taste. That's it's right. just a taste. Just well, well, so a keep taste. going. Like, what, what's what's your story? Like, who are you? What are you all about, Kevin Wormwood? Oh, man. I think, you know, for me, my passions are people. Relationships, just just getting to know people, understand their story. We were talking about this even this morning, but it's true of all of us, man. We all have interesting, unique stories that made us who we are today. And the other thing that's great is we're constantly growing. So although you're a microcosm of what happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, right, that, that, that brought you to this point, you're still learning even from that space. The, the uh, good people are. But not everybody is. Well, I think everybody is, though, to a certain extent. They're just maybe they're just not showing the growth. But we're okay. constantly evolving. I'll give you that. Or, or acknowledging mm-hmm. their own yeah, growth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm the yeah. same person I've always been. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yes, you're sure. not. You're, you're you're shaped somehow. Uh, that could be for the better, could be for the worse, right? I think for the good real, people show yeah. you the better. Yeah. Um, the bad people, if you will, that's a horrible phrase. But you know, people that aren't reflecting that growth internalize it. And it probably makes them more jaded or bitter, but mm. they're still changing, they're still evolving. That's uh, very just, true. Just not in the the ideal direction. Mm. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite quotes, and I said this at a wedding this weekend. It's a Greek proverb. I don't I don't know the proper, uh, you know who to who to acknowledge originally came up with it, but it's a man can never cross the same river twice because the river and the man have both changed. Yep. Right. I think you said that to me before. I was like, that's deep. It's deep. It's yeah. so deep. Right. Because you think about it and, and here living in Cedar Rapids where we definitely know about rivers changing. Right. Yeah, and yeah. the ebbs and flows, the sandbars, everything else. What used to be two feet deep is now 10 feet deep. The rivers changed. And so is the man. You think about that. And I was talking with a couple 
about how when they met, they're very different today than they were then. The world's very different today than when they oh, met. Oh, yeah. Right? But you evolve. And, and what I love about what you said, Kevin, is I always tell people we're just a tapestry of the things that we've learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's no one marketing seminar. There's no one James Mayhew, you know, seminar that's going to cure everything mm-hmm. at once. You walk out there, you know, and everybody thinks Tony Robbins. I walk in, <laughs> I come out completely changed. No, just pick up one thing that you can change with, right? Yep. Like your few, couple, right. you know, several. <clears throat> What's one thing that you can take out of that seminar? And now that weaves into your tapestry, right? And when I think about my marketing and sales career, that's just all I am. I, I am literally a tapestry of 200 different lessons that I've learned either yep. myself or through other people. Yep. Hmm. Some of them celebration moments, some of them hard falls. Yeah. Right? Scars tell tell stories, right? Well, and that's all about growth. I mean, at the end of the day, droughts make strong trees. Yeah. You know, but nobody wants to live through the drought. No, (laughs) no. But Hmm. it makes great. Makes great trees, though. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about what you're doing in your career and and maybe some of your professional experience. Do you just give people a little context? Because you are... Like, like with every person, and especially I think the three of us here all have this really varied background. Yep. Come from a lot of different interests and experiences. And so just, yeah, Kevin, start it off and kind of give us a little background of, of you know, what you do. Yeah, so uh, a lot of retail experience, uh, you know, throughout my whole life, really, that shaped me, which is funny. When I first got into sales in general, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. Um but got into sales, and really, that, that I think was a launching point for me to discover some of my passions. Uh, you know, I'd always had this interest in development of others and just helping people be better, uh, better tomorrow than they were today, yeah. and so on, right? Yeah. And I was able to work with somebody uh, early on in my career that, that kind of brought that out in me more. I, I didn't really understand how it equated to business. I'd always seen it in sports, right? And that was really my prior experiences to getting into retail was sports related. So when I got into uh, retail business, I started kind of mentoring and coaching other people and helping them be successful. And I really understood at that point, hey, it's great for me to go out and be successful myself or win awards and do that stuff. That's cool. But where I would really get jazzed up is helping somebody else do it, especially when they thought, man, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. a decent salesperson or I'm not going to be, you know, I'm never going to be a store manager. I'm never going to be an assistant manager. And you're like, man, you can see it in them, right? That's unfortunately sometimes the most aggravating part too is you can see it in them and they can't you're a make it happen. You're a developer, dude. Yeah. That's, that's a word I think of you is you are a developer of people. So I really, you know, was fortunate enough to learn that early on. So I, I really, at that point, started grabbing onto that. And the other thing that uh, – that I got to do in that same realm, same business, uh, was start taking underperforming markets and turning those around. Mm-hmm. And again, same thing. And, and, and a lot of those things were tied together because it's something you and I have touched on a bunch of times, but people would come to work and they don't want to stink. They really do want to execute, yep. right? Um, but sometimes they get these mental blocks. Like we were just talking about even people trying to talk you out of stuff. And Sometimes we can be our own worst critic, right? I was reading uh, something earlier on a flight. Uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I'm going to butcher it up. But um, 
it was something about then it becomes some, your own quote. So yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just don't get, <laughs> hey, don't get it exact, and then that's it's right. yours. You know, that's right. <laughs> but it was basically uh, talking about people and self reflection, right? And it was talking about uh, there was a study done where you could have, I think, fifteen minutes to yourself, isolated with your own thoughts, or you could choose like a small microcosm of an electric shock, right? Mm. And it was something crazy, like 65% of the people took an electric shock, what? right? Because they didn't want to think internally, right, and reflect <laughs> and and think about how to improve and grow and do those things. Um, I think some of that has to do with the fact that what we were talking about earlier is you're your own worst critic. So when I'd go to these markets, you'd find people just beating themselves down. Some of it, Some of it reality-based. Right, like they knew they weren't performing well, but then that turns into, I'm horrible at everything, and I stink at everything, and we we build this, we build this persona of you have to excel at everything to be successful, and that's not really true. Uh, I think you know, for me personally, when I when I look at people that are, we would consider extremely successful, somebody like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, right? Those guys are, I would say, at the top for business as far as success goes. Um, but they also have flaws, I'm sure, right? But at the end of the day, they focus on what really makes them good, and then they get other people to do the other stuff that they're not good yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. And they don't worry about, hey, I'm I'm not strong at this area. Um, you know, I don't know that Warren Buffett actually runs any of the businesses he buys. He lets people run them. What mm-hmm. he's smart at is understanding the numbers, right, breaking that down and seeing the, the path forward for a business, and then he buys it and gets out of the way. Mm. You know, it's not like he comes in and manages the day to day, right? They don't have a sign in sheet. Yeah. You know, hey, <laughs> yep. let me email, let me email Mr. Buffett at nine fifteen, give him an update on what I'm working on today. Like, I don't, I, I'm guessing he doesn't get that granular. I think he's more about just letting them run, right? Well, I, I don't think you could be that granular <clears throat> and have that level of success because you'd be micromanaging everything. At oh that god, point. it'd be exhausting. <laughs> you oh, know, well, and you'd just drive your best people away because he's not going to hire a slough. That, that wants to be told what to do. He's going to hire great people, to your point, and they don't want to sit there and be micromanaged. No. Yeah. And, no, and definitely not. We have a saying here at, at Premier Plus that, that Mike, our CEO, talks about often. It's aces in their places, right? You take aces, you put them in their places, and you let them do their thing. Now, what's very, very difficult on your side as a developer, because I see that too, right? You see somebody, you're like, I know you can do it. First rule of the Coast Guard, help the ones swimming towards you, right? There's a there's a shipwreck and there's all these people out there. Help the ones that are swimming towards you first because they want to help themselves, yep. right? And, and I think early in your career, in your 20s and 30s, you're, you're trying to swim after the ones that are swimming away from you and being like, no, come back. I know you can be great. They've got to want it. Yeah. Right. They've got to want it. And that's tough to see where you see potential, you see talent, and they just want to basically, no, they're fine. Yeah. I'm fine working eight to five and drinking beer and playing beer league softball and, you know, fantasy football with my buddies. Cool. That's not me. I get it. But you have to know when to just. Yeah. The, the world needs ditch diggers, right? Like, yeah. and people find comfort in that. Like you said, 65% of people don't want to be alone with their thoughts. I mean, the 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 thing that you know Mike and I talk about a lot, our CEO, is this: most people don't think like us, right? You don't, and, and all of us at the table, we think very, very, you know, similarly. We yeah. have different thoughts, but we have you know same visions. Where we see opportunity, we see development, yeah. you know, we see the path forward, we see all those things. Most people don't. 
most people are just fine going to work, coming home, watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, having a couple of glasses <laughs> yeah. of Chardonnay. Most you people know. are problem finders, not problem solvers. Yeah, it, I mean it, they'll, they'll tell you, a, oh, mi- you they'll tell you a million reasons why something isn't going to work. They yes. can't give you one why it may possibly work. Right, and, just a fraction. And, and the biggest issue with that is the problem finders think that they're doing such a great service. Yep. No. Yeah. Anybody, anybody for seven fifty an hour can identify the problems in a business. Yeah. It's the people that say. This is an issue, and this is how we solve it. Yeah, it's tough too when you're around folks like that. Like I try and separate myself from people that are, that has a time and a place, and I, I love some crucial conversation, right, or some reality. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's also very draining. Like when you're trying to be creative and think about solutions, and what I've noticed with people that tend to give problems and find problems, they 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 help zero in solutions. Yeah, zero. They have right. zero insight on potential solutions. Hey, all right, so that's a that's a that's a possible jam up. How do we how do we resolve that? Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have an answer. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Goodbye. But I, I can tell you three more problems I can find. Yeah, well, that's great, man. We can find problems all day long, you know. But what are some what are some sensible solutions? What's a path forward? Uh, we don't have one. Okay, cool. right now, <laughs> Wormy and I feel like that is a position that you know somebody who doesn't bring a lot of value. But you might have a different perspective on that. Okay, so. I don't know if I have a different perspective, but when you were talking about the Coast Guard rule, save the person that's swimming toward you first, right? Go after them. Well, I was sitting there thinking about when you fly, what do they tell you? If there's grab your mask before you try and help somebody else. And I think that that is something that's often overlooked outside of when you get on a flight. Okay. So what are you doing first if you aren't taking care of yourself? Okay. So if you have financial problems, that that whether you created them or not, okay, uh, it creates stress in your life. Yep. Or maybe you've got a relationship issue. It creates stress in your life. Maybe there's something else going on, all right? You're not sleeping well. You don't eat well. Like, and you get in this spiral. And I'm not just talking about this from a health perspective. But here's the thing. You are not at your best to others when you're not at your best yourself, right? You, it's like you got to love yourself enough to love another person. And I think that is so huge. Like it, it's often overlooked is we want to go and help somebody else, but like we forget about the plank that's in our eye, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to correct that behavior over there, but oh, don't look at my own, right? Yeah. It's, and, and, I, and I think as leaders, I, to me, what I found is the best leaders really do practice like that self-care. They understand boundaries. They understand that what happens when they overcommit. They understand when when they're over their capacity, and maybe that's their natural tendency to be overwhelmed. I literally had a guy. This is going to blow your minds, okay? I'm the consultant. We bring in an outside guy that's kind of a mentor. Okay. So we're on a Zoom. There's three of us. So there's me who's working for the company. I'm employed by them as a consultant. They bring in an unpaid mentor that's kind of serving on their board. Okay. Okay. He sits there and boasts to both of us about how I wanted people to be at 130% capacity because he didn't trust that if they weren't always at 130% that they would find something to do. So his whole mantra, his whole perspective and philosophy on work was, I'm going to bury you in work so you just do your work. Wait, and and this is the mentor? This is the mentor. Oh, 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 nice. uh, this ends great. 
Right? How would you like to be his mentee? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Deuces. Guess, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he didn't get a lot of volunteers, right? For long, long-lasting but, but volunteers. But here's the truth. He was successful, okay? he If we look at worldly standards, okay, he had arose to like COO at one company. He is a CEO at another company. He had risen to the top using that philosophy of, I'm going to overwhelm you. I'm, and he admitted... He's like, I'm a real jerk to work for. After the this Zoom ends, I just had a conversation with a business guy that has hired me. Yep. And I'm just sharing my thoughts. And I'm like, I, I don't think that's the way. When I helped you define your culture and we went through your core values and your core behaviors, it doesn't really sound like you, does it? And he's like, no. I'm like, I'm really glad to hear that because I'm a little concerned there for a minute. There's always more than one way to skin a cat. And I think for that person's perspective, my assumption would be they're more interested in building a business with people as opposed to building people with a business. Right. So, so I his, would say that again. Ooh, that was good. Yeah. Oh, Me and Kyle are just like glued in. <laughs> well, there, again, I think that person is just more interested in, in building the business with people instead of building people with the business. Where people are cogs of a machine is yeah, how yeah. I so think, I think of that. You know, places that have a great culture, at the end of the day, they're all for-profit businesses. So they need to skin it. They need to make a buck, right? 100% agree. But they understand that if my people are engaged and plugged in, they're going to perform at 10x. Mm. Right. I can beat them down. I can browbeat them. I can overwork them, overstress them. And I'm going to have a higher turnover. I'm probably going to get results, but I'm also always going to be chasing personnel. I'm always going to be hiring. Okay. This, this is, this is extremely interesting, right? Because my, my assumptions, right? I'm making an assumption about this, this guy, the mentor, that he probably came from an 80s, 90s culture of leadership or, you know, that's probably his age group. Well, actually, probably going back to the 70s. I mean, he yep. was probably 15 years older than me, like okay. mid-60s. Yep. Mad so, Men? Was he, was he on Mad Men? Not quite. Was, was it loosely it was based John on Hamm. his life? Yeah. <laughs> it was John, John Hamm. Sweet. Yeah. Him and Flo. Okay. Uh, but this is a really huge, you know, paradigm mm-hmm. shift in the business culture and world, right? Because if you think about 70s and 80s culture, there was the workers, right? And they were largely union, right? Go to work. And then there was leadership and executives and they were the C-suite. And their whole idea was how can I maximize efficiency and work from my people, right? And like you said, they were just people. They were just workers. It wasn't Kevin, James, Jesse, Bill, you know, whoever, there was no names really attached to them. So their job was to maximize efficiency and output from that workforce. And that's how that you saw it. Think about the 80s, right? Like if there was a movie, uh, you know, with Michael Keaton, Gung Ho, where he was I've like, seen it. yes, where he's producing the cars, right? And the Japanese firm takes over and they've got to produce so many cars otherwise they're all going to lose their jobs that wasn't too much of a stretch in the 80s right right? and you look at cedar rapids and how we've been gutted as a manufacturing in a union city right regardless of where you fall on unions the point is this the 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 workers were the workers to produce results Mm -hmm. period Mm -hmm. right there was no culture you know, I mean, Goss Manufacturing wasn't talking about culture and mental health of their employees. They're talking about how can we reduce sick days and work them until they basically work to the bone, right? And so what I'm getting at is I think that guy, to him, that was the business culture in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And thank God we've kind of hit the brakes a little yeah. bit. Here's the thing that I, I, I want to just say to that is this is a good man. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I got yeah. the vibe that he's a good man. Yes, and I absolutely. know that because the the client that's hired me is a very good man. Yeah. Right? So here's the thing. When you have the mindset that I'm going to bury Kevin and Kyle with 130% of their capacity of work. And that, to me, it's a, it's a, you, you're going to feel buried. Yeah. Now you may thrive in it and you may be, you may yeah. love it. You have to be very strategic in your hiring at that point. You yep. do, but here's the thing. When you're overly busy, what are the costs of it? Because you know I've talked about busyness. Like that's kind of how I got started a lot in this. So what happens? Well, if I'm overly busy, I'm not sharing as much with you as I might because I don't have time, okay? I may identify problems, but I don't have time to find those solutions. We were just talking about that. If I'm overly busy, I am not thinking like an owner, if I'm wired that way, you know, you've got employees, the three of us think like owners. Yep. I know this. Okay. Yep. Not everybody does. And that's no. okay. Cause they're wired different. Yeah. And right. they, they really compliment me cause I'm visionary. I need people to help me figure out how to get done. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, my point with that is, is you might, you might have this untapped talent that you're buried under a mountain of work. And somebody says, stay in your lane, bro. Don't step on anybody's toes. Just do what I've well, told you to yeah. do. Oh. When you think about turnover and skill sets, right, you got somebody that uh, their skill sets outweigh the challenges that they face in their position. They're going to be disengaged, right? They'll end up leaving, right, because they're not right. being maximized, right. right? The contrary is true, though, as well. If you have somebody who the challenges outweigh their skill set, Right. So in this scenario you're talking about, this guy's giving people 130% of the workload. Most people aren't going to operate in that. Correct. So they'll get results, but it'll be short term and they'll leave because yes. why? They're, they're just happy with the job. They feel overwhelmed. They're stressed. They can't take it. Right. Because mm-hmm. not everybody's wired to only give you uh, 90% of what you're asking for. Right. Because mm, that sure. might be what this leader's thinking is hey, I'm going to give you 130%. Workload, knowing that you're probably only going to give me 75, 80, right? But if I ask you for 100, now I'm getting 50. I think there's a flip to that too, Kevin, Ooh. which is that that there are so, like that's that's great, yeah. right? That's so true. That's like raising the the stakes for them. Yeah. But there's then also the people too, because you touched on it. You've got to hire very very strategically oh, yeah, yeah. about yeah. who you're hiring. You have to understand because when I think about myself, if if I'm at 80 percent of my capacity, do you know what I do? I get lazy. Yep. Well, yeah, and that's that's what I mean. Okay, you, so I'm most effective a at 105 yeah. percent because I feel the pressure. Yep, but I get a little very, bit, just a, little, a little bit, exactly, just a because little. I know that at 115 percent, I start to get stressed and feel yep. overwhelmed. I can't like, do how it. can can't I do get it. this can't done? Do <laughs> or I'm compromising the quality at which I'm producing. Now that's a huge problem for me. There, right, so I've got to yeah. know where where's my capacity at. Yeah. So if you if you don't know that of me. And you bury me with 130%, even though for a sprint, I can do that for a marathon. Hell no. I can't do that. (laughs) It's not sustainable. Yeah. And the other thing I think to speak to your point when you were talking about the the time frame of when this person was leading. Yeah. Uh, And again, I I agree with what we talked about earlier, too. I don't think this person is a a bad person. It's just the microcosm of when they were working. Culture, yeah. Because I think back then, People got into a position and it was normal for them to be there 30 years. Yeah. yeah. 25, 30 yeah. years. Like that was normal, right? Uh, now, I'm not going to say that that's not the norm. However, people understand that 
at the end of the day, I want to live and work, not work and then live. Yep. You know, so now it's like, man, I, I want to be at a place. I don't mind being challenged. I want to have all these things. But if it's not fulfilling to me, there's someplace else that is. In, in we're we're all a product, right? What one of the one of the guys that I subscribe to heavily is Stephen Shepard, one of the most interesting speakers I've ever heard of, right, in my life. And he talked about generational leadership. Yeah. What's important? Like boomers largely identified themselves through their work, yes. right? Because yes. when you talk to a boomer, it's like, Hey, my name's Kyle. Oh hey, hey Kyle, what do you do? Exactly. Right? That's the first question out of their mouth. What do you do for a living? Yep. Right? Now Gen Xers, we saw our parents go be loyal and work their ass off for a company and then get chewed up and spit out, right? Yep. Goss Manufacturer, I am a manufacturer. You see that around Cedar Rapids, or, right? Or they hated what they were doing. Or they oh, hated yeah. what made them they miserable. Yes. Couldn't wait to retire, <laughs> yep. bought a Corvette, had a heart attack the next year, right? Like that was, you know, what you saw. And there was the what they saw in their parents right the greatest generation you know the you know the ones who fought the war all that stuff what they did was they got back from the war they went and they worked for universal engineering that's who my grandpa worked for from you know 22 when he got out of the service until he was 63 years old right yep. that's who he worked for all those years right and that was the norm and so boomers thought that's the norm if i be loyal to this company they'll they'll reciprocate they'll, yes yes us gen xers saw that right we 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 had to figure things out for ourselves right we're the latchkey generation and so let me let me ask you guys a question do you ever feel like you're micromanaged even when you're not whether it's your wife or <laughs> at work cuz here's the thing very much with the Gen Xers, here's what I need you to do. Do you need anything else from me? Okay, call me if you need me. We will figure it out. Yeah. You figured it out. You figured it out. But we figured it out the hard way, right? Just like how to figure out how to get certain channels on our cable box when we were 12 or 13 years old. We figured it out. The internet, we figured it out. Let me answer your question with two words. Yes. Kind of a question back to you. Yeah. Like the, and I think I said these to you before. I know I've talked about it on my podcast before is rebelliousness and defiance. Yes. See, I think that's Gen X. That is. Right? That's the the kind of music we, we were drawn to yep. that evolved into hip hop. Like it was, I'm going to rebel. Yeah. And I don't have a negative connotation attached to those two words. Same. I embrace it. I love it. I like to disrupt things. I just don't want to be a jerk when I do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a tactful way to do that. And I can be defiant. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means that that I do want to figure things out on my own. And I dislike, strongly dislike being micromanaged. Right. And, and so, what we view as micromanagement is even the slightest, hey, James, how's that coming? Why are you asking? Just I'll let you know when I'm done, right? And <laughs> we view a lot as micromanagement. Go ahead. It is, I've been th this is the other thing. <laughs> it's funny that this is tying in because this is the other thing I've really been pondering this week. Uh, and it's funny. I go back to something I said earlier, get, guy being left alone with his thoughts. I probably think too much. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> I, I tend to contemplate a lot of things. So I was thinking, is, is micromanagement poor hiring? Is it more poor hiring or is it more poor leadership? Which, which – bucket would you feel the most there are you looking at me for an answer because I, I i'm, I got I'm one. thinking of both of you like because because i could argue it both ways right i mean to me it's poor hiring and that you're not understanding what you're looking for but let me just ask you back isn't poor hiring a result of poor leadership <laughs> that's yeah. how i Kevin, yeah, that's how not, i see it it's not really defining what you're looking for exactly right? it is cut corners get a butt in here we need a body and a seat 
if you can fog a mirror, we'll hire you. Okay, that's that's the extreme level of it. But I have seen that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to me, I I believe that almost everything points back to leadership: good, bad, ugly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so a bad everything hiring, rises and falls on leadership. It does. Yep. And if you hire poorly, somebody at your company is not doing their job. And that is a result of poor leadership. Well, and, and we're talking about Herm Edwards, right, on uh, yeah. Wednesday, yeah. you know, and that, that that's perfect, you know, analogy is in leadership, either you know or you should have known, right? So it's, it's, that's why it's a heavy burden. It yes. is not a privilege to lead. It is a burden. It's a burden. Everything comes back to you because if they were a crappy employee, you hired them, right? Yeah. It's all roads lead back to you. And to answer your question, Wormy, when I think of micromanagement, I think the biggest reason why we perceive micromanagement is a lack of understanding how that person operates, right? Mm -hmm. So I work with, you know, a lot of Gen Xers, Micah and Nate, they're both Gen Xers, right? So we are very much self-driven, we'll figure it out, and that works well, but it can also not work well, right? Because uh, when it comes to us, if you don't understand that you need a lot of guidance or you don't need a lot of guidance, now you can view that as micromanagement, right? Because a simple email saying, hey, what's the status on this? I told you I'd let you know when it was done. Yeah, It's not done. I haven't let you know. Stop micromanaging me. Yeah. Well, I just I, wanted to know how you're doing, I must bro. be exactly. overlooking my email back to you with the update. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I, I don't remember sending <laughs> yeah. that. All right. <laughs> so, wow. But you're – God, that's so good because – Rebellion and defiance, yes, because usually when somebody challenges you in any way, I'm defiant. Like, that's my knee-jerk reaction, right? When it's just, hey, I just— I think yeah. it's partly our personality styles, yeah. too. Yeah, bingo. That's, Communic- that's what I'm getting Communication at. is where micromanagement comes down to, too, right? Yeah. A lack of clarity. Uh, I think about when I work with managers and leadership, you'll hear them ask this question, and it's, it's a sincere, genuine question. What can I do to help you succeed? How yeah. can I help you be better? Right? Yes. And my problem with that and what I teach uh, leaders to do is to really unpack this question. Because if you, if I'm asking somebody, hey, what can I do to help you be successful? That's assuming that you know and you're just lazy and not going to execute. Yeah. Right? The problem is most people don't know the things they could do to be successful in a role. Yes. So when you when you look at any business, it doesn't matter what it is, an office uh, supply company, car dealership, any of that. If you have people that are underperforming, you're assuming then that they know how to be a top performer. They just don't want to do it. I had a client this summer. Oh, that's that we good. Dealt, we dealt with this a lot, Kevin. And it was uh, two regional directors that I was we're talking about accountability and getting better at goals and doing certain things at the job, et cetera. And I'm like, can I ask you a question? When was the last time you showed them how to do it? Um, I don't know. We talk about this and we talk about that. I'm like, no, like, like I'm asking you, have you shown them how? Cause if you haven't shown them how, please do that. Yeah. Because they, they're telling you, they're afraid to tell you they don't know how or to admit that they don't understand your way because they feel like they're under the gun. Well, and then, and it wasn't that they were bad directors. Yeah, and when it, you go back to communication too, like I mean, even like we were talking earlier today, it's not clearly defined, right? So if exactly. I ask you a question and I say, hey, do you kind of understand it or do you get it? Yeah, I get it, right? <laughs> but it may not be the way you would mean to explain it. It's, yeah. it's just my perception <sighs> of how I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And then you come back to me and you're like, hey, Worm, I thought we talked about bang, bang, bang. Oh, I didn't know that's what you were looking for. I thought you were talking about this. And that's that whole <laughs> exercise I was talking about, why we do that 
few, several, many, couple, yeah. because it leads to deep conversations like that. When other, I say this, here's what I actually mean, except when I don't yeah. mean it. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing <laughs> is, I think, on you, bud. I think leaders don't want to get deep in the in the questions, right? And and some of the people that I've worked with, their struggle has been, they would rather get the instant result, right? They'd rather give the fish than teach how to fish. Yep. Right? So let me just give you the answer, and then we'll move on, right? No, help that person understand the thought process, how to think, how to plan, so how to prepare. So let's come back to the reason that, that I was finding that my clients were doing that is because they were so overwhelmed. I don't have time to teach them that. They yeah. should just know but it. You have to, yeah, because it's, it's better for me to do it now than to spend 400 hours this year working on fixing the but, issues that I didn't want to take 40 minutes to teach you. intensely around them, oh, and I the get pressure's it. high, and they're getting you know pointed at and singled out, and they're feeling it, yeah. right? It's a temporary pain reliever. Osmosis leadership, right? You just Ooh. assume that people know. Now, when, when you're talking about this, I, I can give you an exact example. I was 23 years old. Just starting to intermac, which was Noran. They make the handheld devices, and I didn't know it was okay to ask for help. Right, that was kind of the culture there. Exactly. And I was assigned a, a large project, and it's like, okay, get it done. And I didn't ask questions because I didn't know that that was okay. Right, I'm 23. I'm young. I'm a complete moron. And so instead of asking for help and doing the project right, I just skirted around it. And then eventually I, I started looking for other jobs because I knew I was going to get fired because I sucked and I didn't know what I was doing. They're going to catch on. I'm horrible. Right. They're going to catch on, right? <laughs> Fortunately, my personality like you know, kept me employed because the pressure that's on you, right? You've got a kid. You got, you got two kids. You got a wife. You got you know mortgage, like all these things. I didn't know it was okay to ask for help, and nobody said, "What do you need to know to be successful in this role?" Right? Like, or or some. So, what's the question you ask to level set that expectation? Right? Because hey, how can I help? Because you're right. Most people don't know what to do. So, what's your question to get them on the right path? It really depends on the person that I'm dealing with, and and that question. the conversation yeah. that. I've had with them in the Don't past. Don't skirt right? this. What's no, no, the no, no, no. What's but the question? There's, there's, there's not just one singular that I would go to. Right. But this is a question that I would ask. Is I'll, I'll present to them. Listen, uh, you know, looking at these metrics. Let's say, uh, let's say we're just doing a performance review. Looking at these metrics, where we've identified two or three areas here we need to grow. Um, what's that look like to you? How do, you, how do you see us moving the needle in this? Right. Okay. So you're asking penetrating questions to get their framework of where the opportunity is that they need so then I can go back and provide coaching. Okay. So we got this metric here we need to move. How do you see yourself moving this metric? Yep. Well, I think I need to do this and this. Now, if it's an alignment, if I agree with that strategy, I'm going to keep pushing those questions. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Yep. All right, how, what's that look like? Tell me more. Yep. Give me more. Give me yeah, more, yeah. right? If I think you're way off base, okay, that's a good idea. What else could we try, right? I'm not yep. going to beat you down and say, well, right. that's stupid, Kyle. That's yeah. not going to work. Right. I'm going to say, hey, K-Sizzle, what else could we try, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, how else could we approach this? What's another thing we could try? And okay. I'm going to keep doing that. And and the, I think the obstacle leadership faces sometimes in that environment is it's a time thing, yeah. like James was talking about. Right. That conversation the first couple times, there's a lot of layers to this, but that first couple times may take 30, 40 minutes right, to unwrap that all. Yep. But 
what you're doing is instilling confidence. So the next time there's an obstacle, an opportunity, that person's already creatively thinking, all right, last time I talked to Worm and I was struggling in these areas, he got two or three ideas from me that I thought I could yeah. execute. And we start, right? So they start kind of framing that in their mind instead of approaching a leader and and having just a vague conversation at kind of high surface level skipping over it. They start unwrapping, okay, man, if if I could get Worm to help me with this, I think that'd really move this metric here. Yep, yep. So the next time he asks me, hey, what are we working on or how could I help or how could I better assist you, right? There's kind of that underlying See, tone. That's, right? And that's leadership. And one of the things that I know about you. Being proactive versus reactive. Exactly. And and being proactive. So when, we, when I'm working with a client, we actually teach them um, proactive accountability. What does that look like? So that's in a set of agreements and commitments, which is what you just talked about. Hey, here's the metric we need to move. How do you see us being able to do that? By by asking that question, you're giving them ownership of the solution. Yep. They have buy-in because now the okay. So I'm reading this book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's a Great book about book. negotiation, yep. right? You guys yeah. have read it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So remember, he's talking in there about when you arrive at that's right, you've won. But when you get back from the employee or the uh, your counterpart in a negotiation, and they say, "Oh yeah, you're right. You've, you've lost. lost." Yep. Because it was your idea. They don't necessarily want it, and they're basically saying. Uh, I'm done with the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's check us please. versus them. Yeah, versus check Kev, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Check, yep. please. Right. Check, and, please. And I can We're all say married men. Snarky. We never hear that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? So, so what you're getting is, oh, that's right. We could do this. And they have buy-in. Yep. They have ownership of it. And, and then your second piece of that is, I bet you're going to follow up with them and check in. Oh, a million percent. How's yeah. that going? How's yeah. that going? Give me a, yeah, you know, and that is Man, the proactive just, accountability because yeah. you agree to doing that ahead of time with them. You say, listen, I'm going to check in with you. What's a good frequency for me, for you? Because for me, I'm thinking it's about every week. I'd like a little update on this because I've got people that are asking me, yeah. are you going to be cool with that? Because going back to the Gen Xers, yep. if I feel like you're micromanaging me and you're I'm checking out. in and yep. you don't tell me, like, I'm pissed about that. Yeah. But if I agree to it ahead of time, I'm like, okay, on Thursday, Kev's going to check in with me. I should have this ready for him. The other key to that, mm. though, too, is allowing them to evaluate and giving them the space to evaluate and modify the plan. Because Ooh, yeah. you don't want somebody to feel like, hey, this was my idea. I got to execute it all the way through. Well, maybe right. they got, maybe they're 30% into it and realize, ooh, this isn't the best way for me to approach it. True. Okay, cool. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. What, all right. So how's how's things going? Uh, I don't know. You know this. That, so Kevin, the other are you so saying how this is an you? ongoing kind of thing? Well, yeah. I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, you, yeah. It isn't but, a one and done conversation. But I think the key to it, though, too, is going back to the fundamentals you're building in that thought process, right? And you're allowing them the space to understand that they truly are in control because the way I may get a result may not be the way you get a result, may not be the way Case Sizzle gets a result, right? So at the end of the day. As a leader, I need to be comfortable with the fact that the end result is what I'm looking for. The process is irrelevant. Mm. I could care less how we get from A to B. I just want to get to B. Yeah. Now, if you can deliver it a certain way, that's great. If he can deliver it a certain way, that's awesome. Because it doesn't need to be my way. At the end of the day, I need to be thinking higher level. I just need us to move this metric from A to B. That's and, it. And if Kev, yeah. if Kyle and I in your example there are the A and B, like he gets to his B a certain way, I get to mine a certain way. And Kyle, like if we're a great team and Kyle can do it in five hours, but it took me 10 hours, I'd be like, Kyle. How are you doing that, man? Yeah. Well, I want yeah, to know. Because, Show yeah. me your way. Because yeah, now that's you're, right. Now you're, now you're creating an environment with the people around you that they understand that it's okay not to have all the answers and to talk through the process. Right? Yeah. You're just ingraining that in people where it's okay, right? And I think you go back to your handheld story and you're talking about that company. Had you seen that happening 
right when you started, right? People just having open conversations. It would have been a complete different mind shift. Yep. Your perception walking in the door, not due to them, your perception was, we can't do that here. Yeah. <laughs> I need to have all the answers. They hired yeah. me to be the solution provider. I can't ask questions. And that was, you know, the the, the environment, right? The, the cubicles. Everybody's in their cubicle. There's no r- real, yeah. you know, conversations. But that Chris Voss book, Never Split the Difference, the biggest, because you told me to read that. Mm-hmm. And the biggest takeaway was when when a hostage, you know, situation's up and and they're there and they say, okay, I need a million dollars. Oh, my God. The best question to ask is, how do you propose we do that? Yeah. I think he, I think the one he says over and over in there is, how am I supposed to do that? Yes. And so. Which I, I almost take as an offensive kind of, like, I don't know, figure it out, right? Yeah. You know, but, but it's brilliant the way he's doing it. But it's like now, now with that one, with that one question, now you've reached out, taken that person's hand and said, how do you propose we do that? Mm-hmm. Right now you're, you're teaming up, you're partnering, and now you're brainstorming on the solution. It's just, it's such a simple question. But, you know, so if, if you get, hey, we need to do this, right? How do you propose we do that? Now all of a sudden... It, it, it really takes people back because they're like, oh, we need to put some thought into this. Yeah. It's so, such a good question. We're going to develop a strategy? Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to execute on it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, now we're going to execute. And think about it, too. Like, going back to the A and B thing from a minute ago, and, and Kyle's figured out how to do something in five hours. It's taken me 10 hours to do it, right? So in a healthy organization, a great team, I don't go through my manager, Kevin, to ask if... I can talk to Kyle about it. You're just like, no, go do it. And I know that. And then I go to Kyle. Now, when Kyle is there, if Kyle's a team guy and and he's all bought in to the whole thing, he's open to share it because he sees the value in sharing the information. Yep. But sometimes two of us can be on the same page. And Kyle, I'll I'll let you be the bad guy in this example, right? You you. You could be the bad guy and you could say... Figure it out on your own. Yeah. I figured it out the hard way. I'm not going to show you crap, right? Yeah. And you hoard information. So, like, that's – and that's so vital right there is to – like, and this would come back to leadership. Was Kyle the right person to put in that role? Maybe he was an incredible contributor. Yeah. But he's a poor leader or he's got his own thing. Or, listen, I could make this about me and call it me. It, well, it, yeah. Like, yeah. So, it, when you have those, those differences in there, it really slows down. And that's when we say – our communication sucks. Yeah. yeah. As a as a as a leader, sometimes you have to think about: Am I going to marry a process or the result? Which one do I want to hold on to? Right? Am I am I more interested in the success of the organization as a whole, or am I more interested in the processes we're going to run regardless of the result? Right. Sometimes you can't have them both. Right. So, do I want to be successful? And then it's really insignificant how we're going to get there, as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical. You've heard me tell you that before, yeah. right? But hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna lie to people. We're not gonna cheat. We're not gonna steal. But at the end of the day, your idea of execution and success, the path to get there, doesn't have to align with mine, as long as we agree on what the end result is. Right? Yeah. If it's if it's this, if it's customer success rate, whatever you may have, customer satisfaction. You can start unwrapping the the patterns for each person of how that's going to go about. But at the end of the day, as long as they're providing excellent service, the way this person does it and the way this person does it may be completely di- different. The result has to be the same, though. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, and I think about this because good. three words can mean totally different things to different people, right? And what, what you're explaining there is the Gen Xer in us. Here's what I need you to do. Go do it, right? And that's largely how we lead, too. Like, let me know if you need me, right? 
But, you know, Michael will say a lot of times, he'll say, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I love that, right? But some people don't because they're like, well, I don't know, right? And and, and you need step-by-step processes. That's where the how-to comes That's in, That's right? exactly right. All right, so what do you think we could try? Figure well, it I out. I think we could try this. How do you propose Tell we me do more. that, yeah. right? Like, Tell those me are more. the questions. Tell me more. And I think <laughs> we skip those questions so much. It's too. It takes too long. Right. Right, because we're so. I'd rather busy. just give you the fish. It's like, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. I'm not going to teach you, you how know? to fish. I just want to give you the fish. Yeah. That's right. And it's it's like that, you know that that uh, you know meme or whatever it says where people are pushing a boulder up the hill, right? And then a guy comes by with a wheel, and they're like, "No, no, thanks. We're too busy. Right? We're too busy to find a better way." Yeah. And. I need constant reminding of that because you just want to hop in and do it and grind, right? Yeah. And I think we've all probably appreciated the grind, you know, somewhat. We enjoy our work and what we do. But you got to stop and say, okay, that's right for yeah. me. Is that right for Bill? That's right? the same thing in, in, in James's scenario, too. Like a great leader is going to be doing that check-in. You know, because mm-hmm. I know where you're at, and I know where James is at. So now, that those should be questions that I'm asking, James. You, you, you know, you set out this process, and you're you're on the path. How do you feel like the process is working? Is there anything you think we could change on it? Is there anything you've been reflecting? I mean, there's just a lot of open-ended questions you can ask, where maybe he starts realizing, man, you know, I kind of committed to this, but I think if I did this, I could really move it forward faster. Yeah. Oh, cool. I love that. How, tell me more about how that would work. Well, I'd do this and this. Okay, cool. So it allows James a space where he's, he doesn't feel like, man, I told Wormy that this is what I was going to do, and now i got to stay married to it. Well, uh, and I, and I just, maybe I've decided that's not my best process anymore, <laughs> yeah. right? I've, I've grown a little bit. I've gotten yeah. my toes wet, and now I'm like, Ugh. Like you said, the space to change, right? Mm-hmm. The space – I can't remember what you said, but it was brilliant. Like space to – you know, evolve and move around with. So where you're going with that? I was listening to a Gary Vaynerchuk. I, I love. Like I'm kind of off v. and on with Gary V. Right? Same. Like like he's so intense at times, but I've kind of picked back up on him. And he was talking about. Um, I think it was him in a podcast recently talking about safe space. Right? How do you create a place that is safe for people to experiment? Mm-hmm. How do you create a place that is safe? Uh, and I just mean that could be a, a, a cross conference table, right? How do I create safety for somebody to bring an idea and know that it's not going to be shot down, criticized, or is told to stay in your lane? That is so key to this. And I, and I think that is where we don't create safe spaces enough because of um, something that maybe we don't pay attention to, which would be our time. Like So for me to create a safe place with somebody, I know that's based on listening, asking questions. And if I'm overwhelmed at 130%, I really don't want to put up with your BS today because I've got a hundred thousand things it feels like I have to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so therefore I'm not even creating the space for it. And my door's open, start, I tell you, yeah. but but actually don't come bother me right now. You start pigeon managing. That was you start yeah. flying into the office just shitting on everything. <laughs> I ain't got time for that. I'm yeah. just I'm just done with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big thing that you said, and I have some thoughts on how to create that safe space, but what you said about hey, there's a big difference between my door's always open and going and seeing your people. Yeah. Right? There's a oh, mile yeah. long difference. Your door swings outward. So how to create that safe space in your office? Human nature is to find problems to things, right? And then solutions, right? That's human nature, that's DNA, that's evolution, that's that's us. It's ingrained in us. But how you create that safe space is this. When somebody brings up a new idea, you have to give three reasons why it will work before we can come up with one reason why it can't, 
right? Because you get going down that positive moment, no matter how crazy the idea is. Hey, we're going to make this table fly. Big fan of it. Big fan of it. And so that's the, but that's the, that's the rules of the game, right? Hey, we're having a meeting on how we can solve this problem. We are going to come up with solutions and each solution, we all have to brainstorm on three ways that this will work before we give one why it won't. That's so good. Yeah. And, and because you're, you're, you know, if, if you say, well, we could, we could put fans on that. I'd be like, well, that won't work because then you need electricity. Everybody can, like we talked about earlier, everybody can tell you the reasons yeah. why stuff well, won't work. The, it That's does, the easy part. Yeah. There's two parts to that. The first part to say what you're saying in the, in the negative aspect, right, is it doesn't give me an opportunity to start presenting options and then we get far down the trail so like yep. you just that example you just gave i know it's far-fetched but now now we're fans and now we're talking about power and it's like well what if we did solar panels well now we're arguing about solar panels and seven yeah. other things instead of really what the objective was right. what's the objective oh, we want to get the table flying uh but another exercise i do to piggyback on that is i i've never done the three reasons why it'll work but what i often have people do is let's just brainstorm and we don't get granular on any of them let's just throw some ideas out yep let's just get let's just get the creative juices flowing and we'll just whiteboard them here's 15 things that we think we could do yep all right now let's go back and start unwrapping them out of these 15 what three or four do you really think we can move the needle on Oh, let's go bam, 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 right? Now we just start chunking them down, and then we start unpacking them a little bit. I I love the idea of the three positives, though, because it gets the creative juices going towards solutions, not problems. Yes. Not obstacles, opportunities. Yeah. Here's what we could do. Love it. Uh, how are we gonna make this table fly? I know. How are we uh, gonna make this table fly? Well, I'm just I'm just looking at our time and and thinking we should kind of wind this down. Uh I just have to say I love you both, <laughs> man. I just love both of you Great so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Agree. Agree. I love the way your minds think and I love the synergy when the three of us get together. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful we podcasted. But as we close here, this is something I do in a training room and I always tell people this has nothing to do about me. All right. But what we do before we go to a break or right when we return from a break, what is a big takeaway you've had today? What's something that stands out? It doesn't have to be huge, but what's a takeaway from either like in, in that training room, I'm doing a module on say active listening or something like that. What's a takeaway? We go around the room, everybody has to say it. So, you know, if you're the fourth person and oh, maybe I'll say, I'll say what the first guy said, but the point of that is, is it isn't for me. It's for what's a takeaway that a listener somebody else in the room goes, Oh wow, I kind of missed that. Or like, no, that was mine too. And it creates something. So mm-hmm. kind of putting you on the spot here. What's a takeaway from the conversation today, whether it's something that one of us said that you said or, or whatever, what is it? I have several. First of all, everything <laughs> I said is genius. Yes. That, <laughs> uh, that's agreed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, and I'm, uh, it's going to sound bad, but I'm going to take the easy way out too. In a sense, I'm going to go with what Kyle just talked about. Uh, you know, when you're when you're brainstorming and thinking of solutions, three positives, right? Because again, I think that frames somebody's thought process and doesn't allow the negative space to take over. So, give me three reasons why it's going to work is huge. I'm going to start working that in right away because I've never went down that avenue. Like I said, I've always whiteboarded ideas, and then we don't allow you know craziness to take over. It's just brainstorming. We're just getting ideas right now. We're not going to unwrap any of these. But I like what he's talking about in. All right, give me three reasons why it's going to work before we even go down the path of why it's not. Yeah. Okay. For me, it's it's what you talked about because that, that's why I was asking, what is the question you ask, 
right? Because I, I, what do you need for me to be successful? It's a sincere question. It is, and, and and I really mean that when I say it. But it's the wrong question. Yep. Because like you both said, they don't know what they don't know, right? Yeah. And so so really giving them space to figure it out. That's that's such a delicate balance as a leader, giving them space to figure it out while still holding them accountable, right? That's such a delicate balance that you have to have. So your question of, you know, and and back to our our FBI guy, right? How do you propose we do that? Yeah. Right? What – what what ways do you see this working and how can we get that? Those questions that you have are so genius and it's simple, right? Because it gets them thinking. It puts them in the driver's yeah. seat, you know? And so I, I want to thank you for that because that's something I think we all struggle with with leaders because, you know, oh, well, why, right? Simon Sinek, start with why. We all know that stuff. And it's like that's that's been beaten to death. It doesn't go deep enough, right? And, and you just keep asking why. But this – Giving them that and then giving them the space to evolve and be creative and screw up, you yeah. know? It's different, too, like when we were even talking about that. And it's, you know, I have a, a, a thousand questions you could go through, but it really depends on the, the person as I, as I touched on. Yeah, because if, I know, they, if I know, they've proven results, I tried right, it's to, a whole different conversation. I tried right? to hold your feet to the fire. I'm like, yeah. give me a BS answer. It depends. Yeah. I but it, it, depends. it does. It really does because <laughs> – if somebody's been with you three, four, five years and they achieve at a high level, it's a whole different conversation. Yes. As opposed to somebody who's a brand new hire, it's their sixth week on the job. Yep. And, you know, you really got to help create that space where they understand that their ideas are welcome, their process is welcome, right? Yep. Somebody that's been around for a while, they get it. Yeah. Like they know, oh, all right, Wormy and I have had this conversation. Yep. Like I know what he's trying to do. He just wants to help me succeed. So yep. I can hit him with the straight skinny and move on. That's right. Where somebody that doesn't get that, it's like, oh, man, I got to unwrap this a little bit more and I'm not sure. I don't feel comfortable. I don't know if my ideas are welcome here. <laughs> so, you know, you got to pull a little bit more. Somebody that's been around for a while, it can be a little bit more straightforward. Yep. Yep. That's good stuff. It so. truly does depend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> well, no, and I, there, there is no formula. There, I mean, there's, there may be a formula, actually, but you, it's filled with variables. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because it does depend. I mean, at the end of the day, I think for me specifically, I could say that I always approach it as what is the ultimate goal? for us to be successful, right? Yeah. That, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. The how is really insignificant. So how I'm going to help you be successful, how I'm going to help Kyle be successful, how I'm going to help Tina be successful or Tammy or whatever, it, 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 that part doesn't matter. We all want to go to the same place. So yeah. then my job as a leader is to get behind you and push. <laughs> whatever your idea and strategy is, as long as I know it's going to get us there, 100% support it. And God, right? doesn't leadership so easy when you have the right people in place? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's just like you just keep being you. Yeah. Right. Just keep being. Yeah. Yeah. Which it goes back to. I mean, we could go on for 17 more hours, but that's where it comes back to hiring. Right. (laughs) At the end of the day, does this person have the strengths and the qualities I'm looking for? And that could be a lot of things, man. Do they understand what success looks like? Do they know how to get results? Have they been successful other places like, you know, industry doesn't matter. I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier and they've been extremely successful outside of what you would consider the norm. Right. And him and I are talking about it, and he's and it's funny too because he's like, "Oh, Wormy, you know, you you and I are two percenters," and I'm like, uh, "I don't know if I'd say that," but he's like, "Listen, what I mean is, you and I could go to any industry, and we're going to be successful because yep. we figure shit out." Yep. Like that's just we just know how to do things. Yep. So this <laughs> is this is a perfect segue to what my takeaway is, and we didn't talk about it today, yeah. but I'm going to drop it. It is you two show me, you demonstrate to me. All, every time we get together, 
confidence covered by humility. You just said it. We're going to figure it out, but you have the humility to know what you don't know, the questions to ask and all those things. And that's a confidence covered by humility. It is so huge. Now, the second one, because I, I guess my show, I can get two, hey, right? Hey, you can go on for days, baby. Right? No, see, the other one was I have had to really discipline myself to learn how to ask the second, third, fourth, and fifth level questions. Mm-hmm. I get, okay, fast-paced guy, right? So my brain is going ahead of things. What I'm hearing from you guys, and you, you illustrated it multiple times, is the value in asking the next question, the follow-up question to that, tell me more about that, because I oftentimes will get caught stopping too soon. And here's how I know it, because um, my sales coach, Joe, he's so he's so yeah. good. Ah. Joe Peachy Key, yeah, baby. Joe Peachy. And um, I'll call him and ask him for, hey, I'm, I'm struggling in a situation here, and uh, I don't know how to approach this. Joe, can you help me out? He, he, he boils it down to like the simplest thing so fast, and it often is, he's like, you didn't ask enough questions. <laughs> and, you know, so so my first reaction is, is like, son of a, you know, he got me again. And and I didn't realize it. And he's like, no, you, you didn't ask enough questions. You got to ask that second. Well, in this case, probably the fourth and fifth level of question to know that because and he reminds me, he says, he says, when I put a proposal together, he says, I've built my business based on being able to measure results. And if you can't measure results until you know what their needs are. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, and right. And so for you guys, you're looking at me like, yeah, duh, we learned that in fourth grade. And, <laughs> and for me, it's still a learning process. Now, I do that when I'm coaching, but not necessarily in that sales process. And so to me, just listening to you guys again, that was a huge takeaway for me again is to like continue to mine until you get to the like really what it is. Uh, because then, then we got certainty yeah. and we got clarity. Yeah, I was just going to say, it also creates clarity, right? So now now I don't have to go back and wonder. Yeah, exactly. I've checked the boxes. Yeah. Now it's just the conversation to make sure you're doing what and you said And in the sales process, then I can repeat it back to them. It sounds like this is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's 100% it. The chances of me closing that deal are much, much higher then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Conversations create clarity. Absolutely. Clarity creates action. Action creates results. That's something that I came up with myself. <laughs> Boom. Genius. Trademark. Kyle Genius. Steel. You got a sleeve tattoo. That's what it is. Down, right, up right. and down his arm. But we have we we literally have that written on our board because it all starts with a conversation. You think about anything, it starts with you know, a conversation. You know, and what I find myself doing is repeating back, this is what I heard. Right, because yeah. it's that you know anybody who's married knows what you say and what you hear are miles apart. Right? Hey, get get dinner. Well, okay, pizza rolls and diet coke. We're we're money. Right? We're ready to we got, roll. Yeah, we got <laughs> dinner. Right, but it's it truly is like I just really appreciate you both because I always get great insights. I get different perspective, and you know I'm coming up on I'd say probably nine months here at Premier Plus. And a lot of what I have put into action comes from you, right? Mm-hmm. Like our conversations. Yeah. And this is the importance of a network. And I just want to, you know, reiterate that we all met on LinkedIn. We all live, you know, miles apart, but we all met on LinkedIn. Exactly. And this is why you have a strong network because I'll sit down at Donut Land with you mm-hmm. and say, you know, hey, I'm struggling with this. And just in two minutes, boom clarity right it's like oh that's so simple Mm. 
But to you, when you're in it, right? When you mm-hmm. when you're in a hurricane, you don't know what you need, right? Because everything's coming at you. But somebody who's outside, it's like, oh, if you just did this, right? One little small change, boom, you're on your way. Mm. That's network is your net worth. And the older you get, the more your network expands, the more you understand that quote. Yep. That's good stuff. Yeah. Love it. Well, uh, let's close this up. So my name's Jim, James, Timothy, whatever, right? You are Kevin. Kevin, worm. the worm, big worm, <laughs> Daddy O. <laughs> Not late for lunch or dinner. <laughs> Kyle K Sizzle, Chunk eighty five. Kyle Christopher <laughs> Steele. Oh man, was it? Is that your MySpace? account that was <laughs> chunk yeah, 85 yeah. Ah! No, no, no. my aol instant messenger was funky chunk 85 you got baby. mail I love you guys. So much fun. Oh, thanks for God. having us my yeah. man thanks man uh, so we'll catch you next time on lead through Matters. <laughs>